All right, guys, I'm so blessed to be here. And I know I know a lot of people here, but I do a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. So I'm a pastor here at Passion Life Church. And uh, I came out here with Pastor Andrew from Florida when we first started everything. So being under his leadership has been an amazing blessing. So honored to be able to speak on this stage and just share the message that God has put on my heart. Um, when I was first asked to speak, I was super excited because I have my hands in everything. So I was like, right, we could talk about missions, we could talk about youth, kids, we could just talk about all the beautiful things God's doing. And God laid a message on me and he said, I want you to talk about shame. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right, let's see what that looks like. Um, so before we get started, I just want to share a little bit about who I am. And with Father's Day just happening, a few things that have just been really close to my heart, you know, about last week. So my wife will be coming up on the screen any minute now. If you don't know me, you probably know Stacy. She is always running around. And my life is so blessed to have this woman in my life. We always joke around that if I knew my wife was in Colorado, I would have run here a lot faster. But I probably would have messed everything up because I wasn't ready. <laughs> so that's okay. We have a bit of a blended family. We have bulldogs and dachshunds. Those are hers and mine. And that's okay. Um, so our life is filled with a lot of joy. They're rescues, so they're a lot of work. But uh, they're, they just bring us a lot of joy as well. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Father's Day. Father's Day made me think about my father, who passed away several years ago. And my mother as well. And they brought me... They've brought me to where I'm at in life. And there's been good and bad, and we're going to talk about a little bit of that today. But for the first seven years of my life, I had no limitations, and I was raised in complete boldness. Now, that's not always easy to do. We were impoverished. We were poor. We lived in really bad areas. Um, I have a medical condition. My mom and my sister has the same one. It works like advanced arthritis, so my joints... Uh, Weight-bearing joints, they start to grind against each other and deform. So by the time I was seven, I had seven surgeries, and I was waiting for three more just to be able to walk. But my dad and my mom never made me feel, or my sister, like any of that was out of the norm. So we went to hospitals, and we thought we were visiting friends. We loved every doctor, every nurse. New patients came in, we showed them around. We just lived in complete freedom. And we loved it. It was fine. We never felt with the community that we were in, which was a lot of family and living in the same place for a long time, we didn't feel ever left out. We never felt out of the process, even though everything was different. And one of my favorite stories is I used to have a cast that ran from my ribs, because when you're a little kid and they need you to stop moving, they need you to stop moving. So it ran from my ribs all the way down to my toes. And so I was like this. I was adorable because I was little and young and it was super cute. <laughs> but I couldn't really move around much. But my dad always taught me that it's not whether you can do it, it's how you're going to do it. So I wanted to move around, so he made me a bodyboard, added wheels to it, and I would just wheel myself around the house wherever I go. I just dragged myself in and out of bed, and I was fine. And it was always like that, even though we were little. I know you guys are surprised. I'm short. When I found out, I was surprised, too. Um, <laughs> seriously, I was super surprised. But, so there was just never a limit. And so we're going to pray a little bit, and then we're going to talk about where those limits came in and where shame, shamelessness, and being unashamed have been part of my walk. You guys ready to pray? Yeah. All right, let's pray. 
Heavenly Father God, we just love you so much, Father. We just thank you to be in your house, to hear your words, to spend time in your scripture, to be together in corporate worship. How amazing it is, God. We just thank you for your words today, God, that they land in people's hearts the way you want them to, not the way we've planned or thought about or prepared, but that you speak to every heart the way you want them to be spoken to, that your whispers are louder than anything else, including this mic, God. We just love you in your heavenly name. Amen. All right. So everybody has an origin story, and so we have a shared origin story, and I like that. I watch a lot of superhero movies, so after they come out with a movie, they come out with an origin story. But we have a shared one, and I want to jump into that before we go into a testimony or anything else. So we're going to jump into Genesis, and I'm going to go through our creation story in Genesis with some emphasis and on specific scriptures. I'm a Bible junkie. I love it. I love the Old Testament. So I would tell you, if you feel that there's, hey, where'd you skip scriptures there? Go read it. It's amazing. We could talk about it later. But we're going to go through it. And so we're going to go through them together. You'll see them on the screen. Genesis 1, 27, 28. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground, especially bulldogs. (laughs) I love them. We're going to keep going. Um, Part of our creation story is that we are so designed in a God, by a God that loved us so much, that he wants us to be reflected in him he designed us and said that's good i I love it i love what i've made it is just special and kind and he took care of everything for us like he mentions the animal scurrying and being fruitful he took care of everything he even took care of the things that we would need so the garden was filled with all sorts of food we had responsibilities and things like that so we're going to jump to genesis 2 9 The Lord made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So we don't always dwell on that, but there were two trees in the center of the garden. Okay? So he made both those trees because we have beautiful options and beautiful things, not only for the right now, but some for the future. Genesis 2:28 Now the man and his wife were both naked but they felt no shame. Now as a kid I always thought that was funny, you know, they were naked and why are we talking about that? But as you read it that's your most vulnerable. You're out in nature, you're out in the world and that would be very vulnerable. But they felt no shame in how they created, how they were created and where they are or in the fact that they were vulnerable in front of God. So if we just swap that word for vulnerability That is so powerful to know that in front of God, we don't have to have any of those things, right? We are completely his, we are built by him, and we are exactly pleasing to him when we are in our alignment with our relationship with him. There's nothing that pulls us away. I feel like a lot of times, especially in this day and age, we're talking so much about depression and anxiety, and we actually live in a culture that has shifted from being a guilt-based culture. You did something wrong, you shouldn't have done that, now you should confess feel bad about it, move on, to a shame-based culture where what you've, did, what you've done is who you are. What you put on Facebook is who you are. 
What you put on Instagram is who you are. How you present your, at yourself at work is who you are. Everything, you, every particular thing you've done, good or bad, is now what frames who you are, which is not how God designed that. You are who God designed you to be, who God says you are. And when you walk in that, those things fade and change. So I'm going to share a little bit more about where Adam and Eve had our fall. So where their Eden shifted, where paradise moved. So you're going to hear some of this, but I want you to listen to the questions that God asks. Genesis 3, 7 through 13. At that moment, and this is after they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they did not choose the tree of life, which they could have eaten from. But Adam and Eve chose to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, at their vulnerability. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breeze breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. So I'm going to stop there for a minute before we go into the questions. The sovereign God of the universe that knows everything decides to open up with some questions. Right? The people around you in your life probably don't ask you the right questions, right? They don't ask you, well, why did you, how do you feel about that? Why did you do that? Why did that come across harsh? Why did you come across soft? Why did you make that decision? We don't ask that. But the God of the universe that knows everything decides, oh, wow, I'm going to walk you through some questions. That's for our benefit. He's helping us process. It's not that he doesn't know. It's not that he needs you to do a particular thing. It's that he wants to walk us through it. So hear the power of these questions. The Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? Who's speaking into your life? The Lord God asked, Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? You know, we, all, we like to read things and put them in their box. But that could easily be, are you walking in the call that I asked you to walk? Are you walking in my best plans for you? Are you choosing the exact opposite of what I'm telling you? That question could be phrased for you now, just like it was for me. The man replied, oh, <laughs> let's jump back for a minute. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit. And I ate it. We'll talk about that later. That's a whole different message. <laughs> then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? And she said, the serpent deceived me. That's why I ate it. So I'm not going to go into the rest of the story in Genesis just yet, but hear this out. We never hear, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. We never hear a shift of actually saying, God, I so messed this up. We were in Eden, and everything was perfect, and I listened to a snake. Like, Adam and Eve named all the animals in the garden. That was part of Adam's job. You named it, and now it's telling you what to do. Okay. That, nothing of that. They just lived in that and stopped right there because they were working in shame, because they were hidden and broken, and they didn't want to share any of that. So they stopped there. I'll tell you, my seven-year-old life was perfect. Very bold, very crazy, very out there. 
but I was a kid that was totally empowered, totally loved, and totally secure. My Eden ended around seven. My parents were divorced. They were not married at the time. Um, but at seven, we moved across the country from New York area to Florida and from Connecticut to Florida. And my mom remarried. And that's when all of like, I don't want to call it real life, that's when all the other voices started to talk. So that's when I found out what a disability meant. And I was given several limitations on what I could do. So that changes my friends, my dynamics, who I'm hanging with, what all that happens, all that shifts and changes, and I'm outside now. I'm no longer part of that, right? Because I can't. I can't do it. I'm not supposed to. I have to watch this and be careful. My mom remarried, and my mom was working in brokenness, and so or so my dad and, you know, the man she married. All of that was in brokenness. So the man she married was extremely violent. And so and I want you to visualize this. Me and my sister are out of surgeries and casts, wheelchairs, walkers. My mom is this tall. She's shorter than I am. And the man that she's married to is abusive and physically violent with her. Okay? At the same time, broken people. We hurt, hurt people hurt people, right? There were so many drugs running through our house, we could have opened a CVS. Like, that's where we were at in life. And I say it in a joking manner because I can look back on it and go, where in the world were we? Right? That's not okay, but that's where I was. So I couldn't have friends because of my disability, and we can't do the same things. The friends I could have were not allowed in my house because of the violence that was there. My dad's no longer in my life for years, and everything seems bad. Prior to seven, everyone around me was a Christian. After seven... Everyone around me was a Christian. It was hard for me to grow up and reconcile why we live like that. And I can tell you that these are some of the feelings that I felt. I felt my mom must not love me because she's not choosing me. And my mom was bold and crazy. She taught us how to swim. She doesn't know how to swim, never did. She taught us how to ride bikes. She didn't know how to ride a bike. She never did. She taught us that we should never do drugs. No comments. <laughs> Everything was there, right? And so... We were just kind of living in this kind of uh, dichotomy where everything is so opposite of what it should be. And so while I'm feeling like I'm not loved, I'm not valued, I'm not worthy, the feeling of shame that lingered with me was that I wasn't enough. I wasn't enough for my dad to be there. Because you're a little kid, you focus on yourself. But I think we do that as adults too, so well, let's not put that off. I was not enough for my stepdad to not beat my mom. I would ride the school bus home, and I was wondering what I would come home to. Would the home be in shambles? Would my mom be at the hospital? Do we land there, and my aunt will take me to the hospital? Like, what, what are we doing? This was life. I want you to know that we're going to be very vulnerable today, but vulnerability comes with boundaries and respect. So I called my mom, and I said, Hey, Mom, I want to share a little bit of our story. My mom is in such a good place now, we'll share that later, that she was all for it. And then she's like, I'm so proud of you. Just don't bore everybody. Nobody <laughs> likes it to be long and boring. I was like, thank you. Okay. Anyway, we'll move on. All right. If I ask myself those questions that God asked, where are you? I was so confused. That's where I was. If I, asked, if I was asked by God, who told you these things? Every voice was louder than yours, God. 
I hear people telling me about my limitations. I hear people saying that they love you, but their actions are speaking so much louder than their words. You know, I, I'm being taught such things that contradict, and the one thing that I can feel is that I am not enough. And I can't understand all these church examples of God loves you like a father. Well, which one? The one that's not here or the one that beats my mom? Just real life. I'm sitting there going, God is a nurturer like a mother. My mom is broken and she's in her own pain. I don't know what this looks like. I can't see it. I can't reconcile it. If God asks me about his plans, am I following him, his best plans for me? I don't even know what they are. I can't even imagine. I don't even know who I am in you. I don't know what this looks like for me. What have you done? Well, at that age, I felt that everything was my fault. The reason my parents fight is my fault. The reason their divorce is my fault. And of course, we'll all say this, right, as grown-ups, kids, it's never your fault. Okay, well, I'm still living through it, and so are they. So our compassion has to go on why it's not their fault and what God wants for them. I'm going to keep going here because I think it's super important. I felt so unworthy and unvalued and out. I was just on the out. I was not included in anything that was healthy and good that I couldn't understand God's love. I felt that he rejected us. And I would look at the creation story and the way it was taught to me as a kid, and it made perfect sense. We made a mistake, it's our fault, and we got kicked out of the garden. Right? That's our punishment. And we kind of go through the list. Ooh, that was Jesus. Um, <laughs> we kind of we go through the list of punishments that happen in Genesis, and God gives a... a, a I'm not going to use the word punishment. He gives a repercussion, a consequence, right? Because some of this just has to go together. The snake, he tells him, okay, now you're going to have to crawl on your belly, and people are going to want to stomp on your head and crush you. Got it. To the woman, he says, now you're going to have to bear children, and it's going to hurt. It's not like an Eden, right? This is something you're going to have a desire for your husband. He's going to rule over you. Well, that's a whole different sermon, too, so don't get caught there. And then we'll keep going. And then to the man, he tells him, you're going to have to work. You're going to have to work hard, and the ground is going to yield thorns, and there's just a bunch of things that are going to go there. Those are all of our consequences. And now let's go to the actual line where we have to leave Eden. Genesis 3, 22, 22. Then the Lord God said, See, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil now. What if he also reaches out his hand to take fruit from the tree of life and eats it and lives forever. So let's put that in context. If they eat from the tree of life, after they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they would live in vulnerability that's unhealthy, in shame, in their sin forever. God moving us out of Eden wasn't a punishment, it was a protection. God had a plan for Jesus. God already had a plan for redemption and to bring us back to him. But to do that, I'm going to have to move you out of paradise and let you work in some of the consequences you chose. I'm going to have to let you come back to me in a different path so that we can be together in wholeness, healed, and in value, in love the way I designed you, as opposed to letting you sit in shame, and I'm going to change sin and say, miss the mark in sin and continuously missing the mark, and in fear. No, I'm not going to do that to you. I love you too much. Right? 
<laughs> so good. I like it. It's so good. All right. So I'm going to keep going because I think it's super powerful. I was ashamed of how I lived my life as a kid, but those things were kind of done to me and forced onto me. Those weren't really my choices. Right? So it's kind of like you should, you would think. It's easier to process and say, okay, God doesn't have that for me. I'm going to move on. Well, when I became a teenager, because I couldn't reconcile who God was to me and who I was to him, I went from being ashamed to being shameless. That means it went from going, I'm poor, I'm disabled, I'm like this, there's drugs in my life, to this is what it is. You like it? I love it. I'm going to party. I'm going to run away from God. This is my life. You can say that this is your life with God, but it looks horrible, and I don't want that. So I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to do it differently. And I was bold in my wrongness. And you should never be bold and wrong together. You can be one or the other, but when it's together, it's going to hit you back later really hard. Um, so I was really bold in everything I did. I, wasn't, I didn't present that I was wounded or hurt. As a matter of fact, if I felt hurt, I'm going to build my walls harder. If I felt that you were going to say something that was going to judge me and hurt me, I was probably going to cut you with my words before you cut me. I was always on offense. And it might have seemed that I was confident, but I was not confident. I was in protect mode. And there were so many people that tried to help me bridge past that. But something that I did, and I see people do it all the time, is I built my own rejection cycle. So because I didn't feel worthy of a lot of my relationships, I didn't feel that they were going to last, I didn't feel like I was of value to them, I didn't feel like I was enough, I was already assuming that this relationship is not going to last. So when you go, it's good, it's okay. Oh, we've offended each other and this is done, we're no longer friends? Okay. I'm going to push you away and I'm going to be okay when you leave because everything I have is a cycle that I've set up for myself. And of course, at that point, I could blame other people and be shameless about that too. Well, if you would have done better, we'd be in relationship. If you wouldn't have messed up, we'd be in relationship. I became completely production-based at work. I was a workaholic. I loved it. I'm still a little bit of workaholic, work in progress. But the idea was I can produce and I can see what I was doing. And so this is my value. Okay? None of that will last. If God would have asked me those four questions in those years of my life, if God would have asked me, where are you? I would have said I'm angry and I am bitter and I am filled with so much distrust and hate. If he would have asked me if I was following his best plan, no, and I don't even know that I want it. I look at examples around me and people will speak so much about how they love you, but their walk doesn't show you. And I don't know what to do with that. If he would have said who is speaking into your ear, Everybody at the club was speaking into my ear. <laughs> and people at the club don't tell you good things. You know, People in my life were promoting so many of the shameless behavior that I have. I was drinking. We did drugs. The reality is I never had an addiction because I didn't wait long enough in one thing. I was always waiting for the next thing. And it just nothing was ever enough. Not relationships, not anything else. If God would have asked me what I've done, I would have said so much that you can't forgive me. Has anyone ever felt like that? Why would you love me? Forget about my past. Do you know what I did like yesterday? Do you know how I am? Do you know how many people I've hurt? I love reading the Bible when I wasn't a Christian because I could fight with Christians. I drove people away from you. 
why would you love me? I'm going to be bold and even say, my dad ain't even here. <laughs> right? I'm like, these people in my life don't love me. Why would you love me? Why would you stay by me? Why would you forgive me? But those are things that come from pride. Like, even at your worst, do you really think you're that bad? That the God of the universe who sent his son to die on a cross for you? Well, his blood's just not good enough to cure my sins. It's just not enough to make me whole. Right? I was rejecting the gospel of Christ to myself, so I couldn't even share it with anybody else. It's really painful to look back on some of those moments because God was showing out. He was doing amazing things in my life. He was protecting me. He brought people to pray over me. I was at work and a coworker wanted to pray with me. And her statement was, I know you don't believe in God, but I'd like to pray with you. I'm like, I don't believe in God, so how will that work? She goes, you shut up and I pray. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Mind you, that was also the first person I ever prayed with after I got saved. And I'm like, listen, I don't know how to do this, but we're at work, and I feel like God wants me to pray for you. This is awkward. But it's awesome that God wants to continue to work in us. I'm going to move a little bit faster in this because I want to make sure that we cover some of the important things. I've mentioned where my dad was, where my mom was, right? Because we're being vulnerable and honest. My dad was broken because he had lost his father when he was young, and he was a caretaker for several people in his family way late in life. And he was guilty. He felt guilty that he wasn't in our lives. God blessed us so much that my father came back into my life as a stranger. I didn't feel like I knew him. And he was so patient and kind that he built our relationship into friendship, into a wise counselor, into a helper, and into a father. Right? It takes time. We want to jump back in and be like, I'm here okay, well, I'm good. But at that point, I felt like I didn't need a father. I needed a father. I was a grown man. I needed a father. My father did Bible studies with me, and he didn't believe with God in God beforehand, got saved, rededicated his life, and got baptized before he died. I thank God for that. If he would have stayed living in his shame of guilt and fear, he wouldn't have started a relationship with me. He wouldn't have allowed God to heal those things slowly. He wouldn't have come in humility. He wouldn't have experienced God that way. My mom, y'all, she's still crazy. I love my mom. She's crazy, and this is what the woman is doing now. She can barely move some days. Her hands are arthritic from our condition, wrapped most of the time. And she works at a clinic where she can speak to women about their choices of pregnancy. And she can guide them to God and share facts with them and truth with them. What they decide is their decision, but she gets to come alongside them and guide them in a positive way. Okay? She gets to do testing with them, um, other women, and talk about their options for AIDS. She gets to comfort them, guide them, and counsel them. She's become a chaplain. Right? You went from addiction to a chaplain. Okay? Now, what I love is that these are God's victories. These aren't mine. But if my mom would have stayed in the shame of the things that had happened to her, if the shame of her own decisions, just like I stayed in mine for a while, none of that would have happened. So you go from being ashamed to shameless. And now we're going to talk a little bit about God's grace and mercy. Hebrews 4.16. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Because God doesn't give up when you do. 
God doesn't give up when your friends do. God doesn't give up when the voices start saying other things. He doesn't stop. He wants so much for you that he's going to continue to seek after you. But that requires a choice, and that requires coming to him, to his throne. That requires humbling yourself to him and allowing him to give you the grace, which is the good things you didn't deserve, and mercy, which means not getting the bad things you deserved. <laughs> when I was younger, I, I, I was so thankful for the grace he gave me for my younger self. You know, he gave me good things, and I didn't really deserve them. But for the things I did as an adult, I earned all of them. Like, they might have been mistakes, but they were my choices. I knew what I was doing. But God still wanted to give me mercy, even though I deserved something else. Colossians 3.10. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So I think a lot of times we share so much about God's love that we don't focus on our part of that process. We have to own it. We have to come to him, and we have to say, I am stepping away from these things. I'm making a change towards you, God. I can't run to the same things I knew before and the same process I knew before and go, God, why aren't you over here? He was never over there. Right? You can't keep, I can't keep my own pattern of rejection to protect myself and say, God, why don't I have close relationships and friendships? Right? I can't be hateful and mean and cruel and think of people as disposable and go, God, why didn't you bless me with my beautiful wife sooner? Right? He's like, let me, give you, let me give you my daughter so you can do that. No, that doesn't work that way, right? So there's things that we need to change to be able to really step into what God has. Is he forgiving us immediately? Immediately. Is he loving us immediately? Immediately. Is salvation immediate? It's immediate. But to get the rest of the blessings, you have to walk out the relationship. You have to be in union with God, and you see not only your life change, but the ripple effects out because we are designed in love for love, and that love should pour out and change other people. God is going to change them through your example and your experience. I'm going to go into my last scripture here, and then we're going to get close to our prayer time here. Romans 1, 16, 17. For I am not ashamed of the good, this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. The Jew first, also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. We disqualify ourselves from grace and from God all the time. And I don't just mean that if you've never had a relationship with God, even as Christians. We will pray blessings into people's life. We will give them grace. And then we'll go home and be hard on ourselves. Right? And so when you're new in your walk, it really is about what God wants to do in you 100%. But when you're walking in your walk and you stay in shame, you limit what God can do through you to other people. You limit your own blessings. I've done that. I've disqualified myself from my own blessings, even into my walk. And there is no way to live a full walk with God and stay in bondage. He wants freedom for you. He wants impact for you. He wants you to know who you are. He wants you to feel who you are, that you are enough that he sent his son for you. Whether it's one of you, whether it's two of you, whether it's three of you, whether it's all of us, God said, this is enough. I love you. You don't have to live in this. You don't have to live in this shame. You don't have to live in shamelessness. You should be unashamed of who you are because you're mine. You should be unashamed in your walk because you're obedient to me. 
You should be unashamed of the gospel because you applied it to yourself first. So you don't have to beat somebody with a Bible about it. You can share your life and what God has done. And who wouldn't want that? Right? So I know that there are people here who maybe the whole grace thing, the whole unashamed thing, how much God loves you, you don't know that. You don't have that relationship with God. There are people who are not walking with God at every turn. I'm going to ask for you guys to close your eyes and bow your heads. We're going to give a little on anonymity for that and just say if you do not know this Jesus that we talk about that gives you grace and freedom and wholeness if you just raise a hand awesome yes alright church we're going to pray together and if you guys will repeat after me God, I just love you. I thank you that you sent your son for me. I thank you that I'm going to turn away from things that are not of you. Not because of my strength, but because of yours. I run to a life with you, God, for the rest of my days. Amen.